2: Me. I said, this my next guest is one of my favorite guests to bring on, because my next guest's resume looks like something you'd be very proud of if you was your son and you paid a tremendous amount of money for school. He is a research fellow in the Thomas R. Rowe Institute for Economic Policy Studies at the Heritage Foundation. He holds a Ph.D. in economics from George Mason University, a B.A. in economics and political science from mcgill university and he's being told what a recession is by a bunch of no nothing do nothing political pimps and whores peter saint Ange, how do you handle being told what a recession is by people who've never worked or uh done anything of significance in the economic world uh
1: this is the price you pay to uh play in politics you know these one of the uh The biggest pro and the biggest cons is that uh, people in Congress, politics in general, are idiots. Uh, They talk as if they know what's happening, but really don't know very much.
2: And the reality is we, the people have allowed them to do something as diabolical. I'm now calling our economic system a transgendering bull market as they are trying to tell me what a recession is versus what my own eyes are seeing. And I find it pathetic, but aren't we the ones at fault? After all, we keep electing these charlatans, do we not?
1: That is the question is why these people keep staying in power. My best guess is that the media uh, does their job. They, They... cover for them they you know gaslight they mansplain media flame they do everything they can to cover the truth
2: to give these people cover and the reality is if you cannot continue to operate the country without every 30 or 60 days coming up with a new scam a new emergency but all wrapping up a new spending bill every Every single time, it's a continuing resolution, it's a reconciliation, it's a build back better, it's a chip science bill, whatever the hell they want to name their next spending. But the reality boils down to this. The government, although reaping more revenue from the people than at any other time in history, any other place around the world, we're number one, cannot function without spending money. Isn't this all just a cover story for technical bankruptcy?
1: Yeah, I think without a doubt. Uh, ever since the 1970s, when we went off gold, we were headed towards uh, national bankruptcy. It was always an inevitability. It was just a question of, do we get there fast or slow? And 2008, you know, with the financial crisis, uh, that sort of accelerated this march off the cliff. Uh, and since COVID, obviously, it's gone into hyperdrive. At this point, they're acting like they're panicked. I mean, they just pull these random things out of the bag. They say, uh, try this, try that. They seem to think that uh, they know the end is near for them. People aren't buying it anymore.
2: And, you know, there's always, um, I've always heard this throughout my life. You'll know, and we're going over the cliff. We we hear this throughout time. But the reality is, as long as we can continue to allow constant manipulation, constant uh, creation of, of new money, creation of debt, you may not hit the ground the way Thelma and Louise did. You may just wait until the rest of the world says, I'm not buying it anymore. I mean, what does it look like in the, in this new reality where everyone is in on the debt and print and spend scam? What does collapse look like?
1: Yeah, that's what's interesting. We've never had a situation where every country or every major country in the world Uh, went off the cliff together, right? Traditionally, uh, one country screws up and then, you know, their currency plunges to zero and they go back to gold or something like that. And that's kind of the traditional way to do it. Uh, This is new now. And, you know, governments put pressure on each other. Uh, We saw it during COVID. There was a group think on every aspect, you know, of of, uh, public health, of the economy down the line. Uh, so we're kind of in a situation where if we go down, we sort of all go down together.
2: You know, I'm looking at your resume as we're talking because your resume is literally pages long. And everything you've done, international trade, uh, you've been to Taiwan, all over uh, the Asia Pacific. I mean, you've studied everywhere, you've watched all of this. And I'm thinking about what it looks like as we say the collapse. And doesn't it really look like exactly what our news presents us each and every day the idea that the government needs to seize more and more of our of our business more and more of the decisions in the country become more and more the overlord so that collapse isn't going to look like it did in the 30s where there were no systems in place collapse now will look like asia china europe Where you can't move, or a Democrat state, where you can't move without a politician, his approval, his okay, his blessing. And now, instead of a collapse being bankrupt and, oh, woe is me, we have to start over again, an American collapse is you're now obviously a pawn and a slave of the government. So could we not be there already?
1: Uh, Well, the the saving grace of it is that our government is so incompetent uh, that, you know, if things really do crash here, probably the first thing that's going to crash is the government itself. In other words, they're going to pay themselves, they're going to pay the military, they're going to do this and that, but they'll start to kind of pull back and not really care anymore. You know, uh, they're not going to put the money into the uh, weekly... Uh, sanitary checks on your restaurant and the sort of extortionate, you know, all of this harassment. Uh, So one of the saving graces is that as we get nearer to crisis, the government actually recedes, not because it wants to, but because it has to. Uh, The tax revenue is not keeping up. It can't sell its bonds because, you know, uh, the, the rates are going through the roof. So, you know, and this sort of gets to a broader point on socialism in general that, the closer you get to true socialism, the worse things get, right? The power goes out. You can't, uh, you know, you've got empty shelves. Gasoline is, you know, 5 $6. The closer you get to socialism, people start seeing the effects, and they get angry. So, you know, I, I, so it looks I'm like... not sure it's guaranteed that we're going to go off the edge simply because people are reacting, right? The media is doing everything they can to cover for Brandon, and people are not buying it. Every time they roll out some new, you know, wacky idea, the people just laugh at them. So it's not working. Uh, That's probably the biggest thing that gives me hope.
2: So to capsulate for the the people who um, are working and don't pay attention to all of the economics Mm -hmm. that you and I get to look at is when the entire country looks like the south side of Chicago, we are already at that point. I mean, because you're just described every Democrat inner city sewer. Um, the, the way it exists now. And I find it ironic that the American Democrat and those people who support it and a large part of the corporatist Republican Party still are practicing and still are touting this economic cannibalism of government spending and everything is going to be fine. We see it at every aspect and we see the failure from everything from health care to just the services of the street department and the rest of it. When you see them now have a new bill and say we are going to move forward with 240 billion dollars in a chip and science bill. That's pretty much the end for all of the companies that created massive amounts of money that nobody even heard about 35 years ago. Why in the world would the would the common ordinary man have to sacrifice his taxes, his tax dollars to give money to billionaires throughout the America? Why is that even happening?
1: Oh, absolutely. You know, somebody put it well on Twitter. They said uh, we're at the um, looting the treasury stage of imperial collapse here. Uh, They're just grabbing anything they can. They're handing it to any billionaire who writes them a check. And, you know, I've I've spent time in in, uh, poor countries. Okay, If you go somewhere like Nigeria, kids who grow up in even slums in Nigeria, okay, Mm -hmm. Uh, they're surrounded by family, friends. You know, there's little businesses. There's the fruit guy. It's a very nice childhood in many ways. Okay. It is, we have no idea how bad things are in the U.S. I mean, we've got cities here where, you know, they they just look like war zones. It's not like that in Nigeria, in Indonesia. That is not third world. That that, That is something worse. And specifically what it resembles is not the third world. It resembles the Soviet bloc you know these these soulless cities that are just empty of any kind of commerce i think that's the kind of thing that unfortunately we're headed towards
2: and uh, you're broadcasting you're we're doing this interview but you're having your your dinner for the heritage foundation that's tonight right tell us a little bit about the dinner because you are having this celebration ironically in a city you just described where you better valet and it but the guy better be wearing kevlar so tell us a little bit about tonight
1: yeah, we're going to talk about uh, a lot of these issues here. Um, you know, a lot about the economy, uh, how we got here, how are we going to get out of this mess. I think one of the most important things to remember is that we have been through a lot worse, right? America has a broken leg, it does not have terminal cancer. Well, I, I like- mean, we, th- throughout history, Americans have just, when the time demands that we've stood up. And, you know, whether it's the 1970s, the 30s, Uh, the 19th century, we have gotten through a lot worse, and I do believe we're going to again.
2: Is there a plan in place? You know, I've always felt the idea that all they have to do is fail with plausible deniability and say, we'll do better. (laughs) It, It seems to be their perfect weapon of waste, fraud, and abuse. And when I say they, I mean government. This is a bipartisan issue. But ultimately, when you have this many People in the real world, the real capitalists, the real American who, Americans who know what is happening right before our eyes. Why is there not an entity that puts up a fight for the taxpayers where they allow us to be law-abiding yet, not turn over our money to these corrupt oligarchs in America being Senator Schumer, uh, uh, McConnell. I mean, pick a scoundrel out there who has this new idea that sounds like the Soviet five-year plan every time they open their mouth. Why isn't there a way for us to take our money that we are paying and diverting it to an escrow account to say, look, we're not scoff laws. We'll pay our taxes, but you're not getting your hands on it so you can enrich your friends in the the green energy boondoggle, in the military-industrial complex Mm -hmm. boondoggle in Ukraine, and the rest of it i gotta make my money because i that's i'm a man that's what i do but i'm sick and tired of you wasting exorbitant amounts of it in your pet projects of corruption there seems to be no way to fight and this idea you know we're from illinois brother who who are we gonna elect to stand up for us there's nobody so we need a we need an entity that does the fighting for us in the court system is that even possible or am i just dreaming no it's,
1: i mean it's absolutely possible we've had that through most of history uh, we got this kind of permanent oligarchy where you know the two parties um, you know collude uh, to work against us and it's you know slowly through primaries and through grassroots organizing it is depressingly slow. it takes a lot of work but I mean there are hundreds of thousands of people who are active in this now. We've seen a lot of reforms at state levels in places like New Hampshire where, You'd have one person with a passion, and they move the world. Um, you know, I think one of the most important things for people to understand is that the system is actually very open uh, to getting involved, to organizing, to getting things done. But you have to do it through the standard channels. Um, you know, you, you organize, you volunteer in primary, you get names out, you run for the school board, kind of boring things like that. This is how you shift the labor.
2: What, did we lose you? are you there, Peter? yep, sure okay, am. yeah, I like this idea that you can do it, but I also I want i you know this is what I like about your organization. You have a way of writing articles uh, from a multitude of different authors who constantly bring us back to that the the mooring of principles, but now we are so unmoored to see these mm-hmm. these people actually cook the books. And I use this analogy a lot that would make the guys at Enron say, I can't believe they got away with that nonsense. I mean, on every front, every time the government talks to me, it's lying to me. Um, Is there a way to release simultaneously economic numbers and indicators and the reality to show where the fraud is in the repo market overnight, that there is nobody to buy the bonds, that they have to loan money to hedge funds. Isn't there a way to show when they give an information, I mean, I can only do my show five five days a week, when they release a number, this is the truth, and let the ordinary man who's being taxed and controlled into oblivion have some ammunition to at least know he's not crazy as he looks at these economic illiterate, butter-handed children who voted for this <laughs> Dimwit, corrupt political whore for 50 years, say, ah, everything's okay. I'm tired of pretending it's okay. I'm tired of pretending this is America. This is some Soviet hybrid, and we need to go back to the way fundamentals were articulated, even so f- as recent as 10 years ago.
1: Yeah, I think mean, you're absolutely right. Um, th- you know, there are a lot of resources that people can look to. Uh, Shadow Stats is a site that, you know, they just use uh, the old definitions. You know, they used the government definition of inflation back in the 1970s. Uh, that would put it at over 11% at this point, not 9.1. Yeah. Uh, another good side is uh, Zero Hedge. Sure. Um, they are very skeptical about the things the government say. They give a lot of alternative views. Uh, and, of course, Heritage is doing more of that now. You know, we're starting to be more vocal, not as obedient as we've been sometimes in the past. And we're uh, actually able to say what we think now. Uh, which is exactly, you know, government spews BS. It's uh, pure lies. You have to sift through it uh, to try to figure out what little nuggets in there are actually true. And they're usually not the things that they want you to know.
2: That's true. Like, uh, for instance, how many Republicans are accepting of welfare under a different name of subsidy or voucher. This is the part that sickens me. And I remember before Barack Obama implemented the cornerstone of all collapses in Obamacare, 50% of Americans were on welfare before he took office. If you were to ever really calculate how many Americans receive subsidies of one form or another, what do you think, if you just had to guess, two guys were sitting around, were having a cigar after dinner tonight at your function... How many Americans you really think are subsidized? I say it's 80%. What do you think it is?
1: Yeah, it it's almost impossible to live in this country without receiving government money. They take it from you and then they force you to take the pro- you know, example is public schools, right? Yeah. So you can opt out of the schools, you can go, you know, hire your own teachers or go to a uh, go to a private school. But, you know, most people can't afford that. I mean, <laughs> You know, you're already paying for the public school in the first place. About half of your property taxes are public schooling. You had to pay that your entire life, even though your kids were only in school for how many years? So that's the game they play, right? Is that they take it all from you and then they take their cut. They take their 30 or 50% cut for them and their buddies. They give you back the 50 cents. And, you know, most people think, hey, this is great. I got 50 cents from the government. It it never occurs to them that. Governments don't have anything. They don't make anything.
2: They don't farm.
1: They don't produce anything of value. All they do is they steal from somebody, they take a big cut off it, and then they try to you know buy your vote with it.
2: And the saddest part, too, Peter, is how many poor people are forever damned to poverty and mediocrity because the way the system is structured. Is a system of extortion that keeps the ordinary man down as it's constantly stealing 35 to 50 percent, depending on how good he is at earning money, of his way to work his way out of it. Yet, every one, every one of these congressmen, every one of their staffers, all inside trading multimillionaires. That's the part we need to articulate. Those are the things we need our people to work on. To me, this is a bipartisan issue because I don't give a rip what you pretend you are unless you're in on this scam. You better point it out and demand it stops or just walk around like a Chicago Democrat where you're too stupid to notice it. Either way, I, I, I can't take the idea that somehow these people who go to work and make decent amounts of money all are worth $5, $6, 7000000 Well, a working man has to generate $18 million to be worth $5 million. It's a disgusting system of cannibalism, and I need it to change. Are you people at Heritage going to work on this, or are you going to enjoy your dinner and your rich desserts? What are you going to do tonight?
1: Oh, we are all over this. The people who are coming tonight are deeply involved in this. This is uh, the number one issue. How do we save America? How do we get out of this hole we've been dug into? So no all of us this is what we
2: dedicate our lives to. Yeah, well you can do both. The good news is everyone in that room oh, yeah. is smart enough to do both. <laughs> you can eat and enjoy yourself and solve the problems. I understand from my producer honey bunny you invited me. I would have loved to have been there but there oh, is the we would show. Love to have you. That's right. I got to shave Chicago one conservative at a time and that's what we're doing because we will not allow chicago democrat rats to even listen to the show so these are all good people here and they're all wishing you very well as am i and once again thank you very much for the invite i will make it next time
1: great thank you thank you for having me on
2: keep it up keep it up at the heritage foundation peter saint Ange. thank you so much for everything thank you we'll be back later